Welcome back to the Bend in the Trail podcast, episode 16. Kenji leaves his old life to begin a new one on Hokkaido, Japan's northern island. The climate is different. Some of the people are different. Katsu becomes a mentor instead of an intended victim. The rest of the journey was much faster, and Kenji arrived in plenty of time to meet Mr. Ito. As he stood near the docks, he watched several ships enter the harbor and was intrigued by the thoughts of where these vessels had been on their journeys. He also wondered when their ship would arrive. Is that you, my friend? A voice quietly said in his ear, startled and ashamed for being caught off guard as no shinobi should ever be. He turned to see what appeared to be a stooped, white-haired old man with a long, wispy beard. He quickly realized that this was actually Katsu Ito. How did you know it was me? Kenji said. Well, the robes could not hide your youth, and what better disguise not to be noticed as you traveled. The ships we are waiting for will be here tomorrow, so I suggest we find an inn for the night. The Ryokan was on a hillside overlooking the harbor, and while they ate their morning meal, they watched the ships at the docks being unloaded. Have you been to sea before? asked Katsuito. Kenji shook his head at the question, looking at Mr. Ito, not wanting to show his apprehension. After all, how could a shinobi show fear and lose face? The seas between here and Hokkaido are usually calm, so there's no need to worry. This didn't ease Kenji's fear at all. He and Mr. Ito boarded a ship at the docks, and after an hour the ship set sail for the short journey to the island of Hokkaido. Kenji closed his eyes for the first part, but found that the motion of the vessel through the waves made him feel quite queasy, so he opened them in spite of his fear. His concern about the sea subsided, and he even began to enjoy the gentle rocking of the ship on the water. The water part of the journey thankfully only lasted a few hours. Kenji quietly let out a huge sigh of relief when his feet touched the ground on Hokkaido. Wait here, and I will be back soon. As Kenji waited for Mr. Ito, he gazed at the busy docks, where several other ships were unloading bags of rice, bamboo crates of salt, and bales of cloth. There were also racks of fish and squid drying in the sun along the shore. Smaller fishing boats, anchored just offshore, waited for the fishermen to wade out and board them for some afternoon fishing. Katsu Ito returned, accompanied by a man the likes of which Kenji had never seen. He was a little shorter than Katsu, and of sturdy build. His unkempt hair was almost to his shoulders, and his massive bushy beard was quite long. This is Risak. He is Ainu. They are the people who first lived on this island. He will travel with us most of the way. Most Ainu have little or no love for us. He will also act as our interpreter, should we need one. I think we will be less conspicuous if we walk. Risak remained silent through most of the journey, speaking only to Katsu, and that only as the need arose. They stopped each evening in an Ainu settlement, which intrigued Kenji. These were sights, and a culture he never knew existed. Bears seemed to play a significant part in Ainu culture, with live bears and bear skins in abundance. As they traveled, Mr. Ito kept his disguise, thinking it better they travel unrecognized. They passed small fields through a mountain pass and skirted a dark green forest. On the third day, 
Rhysok said something in his language, and abruptly left the pair to finish their journey alone. A few more hours of walking, they arrived at Mr. Ito's new home overlooking the ocean. Kenji was awed by the large, beautiful home and surrounding gardens, all of which had been maintained very well by several gardeners and other workers who bowed as he and Mr. Ito entered the grounds. Welcome to your new home, Katsu Ito said, with what sounded like relief in his voice. Chapter 8. New Life Kenji and Mr. Ito entered a large, spacious room where he asked Kenji to rest while he arranged for food and tea to be prepared. While he waited, Kenji gazed at his surroundings. Everything was placed just so. There was exquisite pottery, neatly arranged paintings on the walls, and beautiful, well-made lacquered furniture. Although the beautiful room began to soothe his nervousness, his thoughts were still very unsettled. He thought of his mother, alone at home, and what his uncle would do when he discovered, as surely he must, that Kenji not only had abandoned his mission, but had helped his victim to escape. Would the shinobi revenge reach even to this place? Most of all, he did not want another attempt on Mr. Ito's life, and probably his own, to be successful after the effort to escape. When Mr. Ito returned, he was followed by two servants who laid out a feast in front of them, which Kenji devoured in spite of his attempt at good manners. I'm sure you must be very tired after our journey, said Mr. Ito with a slight smile. Someone will show you where to bathe and give you clothes to replace your monk's things. Kenji relaxed in the thermal pool, letting the warm water ease his tension. Afterward, he put on the new clothes given to him, and carrying his old things was shown a large room with a sleeping mat and some furniture, including a chest, where he would be able to store his new clothes lying neatly at the foot of his sleeping mat. Discreetly, he placed the dagger and his chain weapon in the chest against the wall. The staff he put behind a lacquered wardrobe standing in another corner. Katsu introduced Kenji to his household and informed them to treat him as another member of the household. In the early evening, dim lanterns were lit in various parts of the house, providing a comfortable atmosphere. Kenji made his apologies and was soon soundly asleep on his new bed. "'I can teach you many things, but there are others I trust who will teach you what I cannot,' said Katsu Ito, and so Kenji's education began. Each day was spent in physical training to keep the body strong, and learning to do some kind of physical work, whether gardening or learning from a master woodcraftsman. Even a scholar must have humility to understand the life of every person— counseled Katsu Ito. In that regard, also, you must not be so formal, but call me Katsu. Kenji bowed deeply, very grateful for the opportunity of a new life. He began his academic education by learning to write all the Japanese kanji characters with a brush and ink. Once these were mastered, he began to read the books in Katsu's library. Kenji was a mage, at the collected wisdom in these writings, and often continued to read, read them far into the night. Katsu also arranged for Mr. Fujita to instruct Kenji to paint. Mr. Fujita soon discovered that Kenji had a natural talent for shape and color. He advanced so well that soon his small drawings and paintings were displayed in every room in the home. 
Although Kenji's days were and evenings were spent in working and learning, he often lay awake at night thinking of his mother and regretting not including her in his decision to leave his shinobi life. After three years of intense study at Katsu's home, Kenji could no longer hide his concern about his mother's well-being. He began to plan for a way to see her and convince her to join him in Katsu's home on Hokkaido. Finally, he, le- he felt he must approach Katsu about the idea. It was no easy thing to ask his rescuer to consider taking his mother into his home. Katsu, he said one day, you've given me much in these years since we left Honshu. He bowed deeply as he readied himself to make his request. I've become more concerned regarding my mother's well-being, as I'm an only child, an only son. So, are you proposing to add your mother to our household? At great risk of imposition, I'm afraid, replied Kenji, bowing himself to the floor. Kenji, with all that has happened, you've become more like a son than just my rescuer. I don't see how I could refuse your request. Katsu said with a slight smile. At these words, Kenji breathed an audible sigh of relief and bowed again deeply. Katsu gravely returned the bow. How do you plan to approach her, given the risk to yourself and possibly to her with your clan? Kenji thought for a moment and replied, I will have to go myself. I still have not forgotten how to disguise myself. Once she knows I'm still alive, I believe she will come willingly. When do you plan to leave? Well, with your permission, I would like to leave soon. Hmm, very well. I'll provide all the money you might need to succeed. I will also give you the names and places of friends I have along the way, who will gladly give assistance as you need it. Kenji bowed deeply again, and with a heart overflowing with gratitude, left the room to begin making plans for the journey. He thought that after all this time his mother would have believed him to be either dead or to have abandoned her. His anticipation of seeing his mother again was tempered with regret and shame for not having even once attempted to communicate with her. He decided that when he got near his former home, he would send a token, some symbol ahead to indicate that he was coming. After thinking about it, he decided he would send ahead, by way of a messenger, his jade piece given to him by his father before his death. It had his name carved into it. He had carried it with him since he was a child for good luck. In the final week before he left to retrieve his mother, Kenji and Katsu sat and planned Kenji's route of travel and which of Katsu's friends he would contact along the way for assistance. Katsu gave Kenji a letter of introduction to these friends and also handed him a carved ivory piece which he was to present to these friends, guaranteeing the authenticity of the letter. On the morning he left, Kenji rose early after a mostly sleepless night and appeared to Katsu dressed as a young gentleman, unlike the boy he had met several years earlier. Although Katsu offered to send a servant with him who was well-trained in defense, Kenji assured him he needed to travel alone. As I get closer to Iga, there will be more and more suspicion of any strangers. It'll be easier to do what I must do alone. As you wish, replied Katsu, 
please use great caution and assure your mother that she is as welcome here as you have been. With that assurance, Kenji left on the long journey to find out two very important things. First, would his mother even speak to him? And more importantly, was she still alive? It was not unknown for a family member who felt extreme shame for the actions of a family member to take his or her own life. He looked back at the house that had been his home for the last three years, wondering if he would see it again, or was he looking at it for the last time? Katsu stood by the open doorway and raised his hand. Goodbye.